0: I wanted to give you an update on the power. We sent an electrician here Monday of last week, spent the whole day, couldn't find anything. You know how that is. Your car makes a squeal, you pull into the dealership, and he goes, you. So we're thinking as it gets warmed up, something's in the wiring. But he sat here, we gave him a biscuit, and then we got him lunch, and you know, he's waiting on it. He goes, what does it do again? I said, it just goes crazy. It flickers and all this. So please know we're working at it, and if you have any answers come see us. We'd love to know. Stand with me and turn in your Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 24. I had planned to go one way this week and I came to my office this morning and I felt the Lord directed me to go another way. And I always wondered when preachers say that, I'm like, well, is the Lord confused or are you confused? I'm like, well, he's not confused. So I prepared one way Then I just felt he gave me something else for today. And um, so I want to talk to you about the Father's greatest responsibility. Now, it also can apply to Christians. And it can apply to mothers. It can apply to those who are not married, who are preparing themselves. It's the responsibility of every believer, but it's the Father's greatest responsibility. So primarily I'm talking to you dads. But it's also applicable for all of us. Joshua chapter 24, verse 13. If you're there, say amen. Two of us are here. Everybody up? Okay. <laughs> and I've given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them. And of the vineyards and oliveyards which you planted not do you now eat. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the false gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And now it's time to serve the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods that your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we, not just me and not them, we will serve the Lord. And the people said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And I do not apologize for this, but if you would do me the courtesy of praying with me as I pray for myself this morning. Father, I just humble myself before you. So much has gone through my heart and mind this week. I feel like I've just been wrung out like a dishrag, but so many other things are so clear. And I just want to state publicly The only good that has ever come from my life has been from you and the godly influences that you've allowed to come my way. I thank you for an earthly dad that reflected that. And I pray today especially for those people, Lord, who having the opposite of a reflection of you is their greatest hindrance. It's hard to perceive a heavenly father when our earthly one was so earthly so selfish or so self-centered so hard so unloving or forgetful and I pray today O oh Lord that you let that person see who has never had that godly father that their slate is so clean to be receptive to who you are ain't nobody to compare you to And if they will allow that revelation of who you are to come into them, it will change everything. Your disciples asked you, Lord, to teach them how to pray. And your first words were, our Father. When you see him as your Father, that changes everything. And by your anointing today, let it happen, Lord. Let my words be like the pen of a ready writer. And like water that finds the lowest parts of men's soul. That we might grow thereby and honor your son Jesus. Amen. The father is the covering. The one responsible for the spiritual condition of the home. I can't make my family. But I'm responsible for it. Sarah. Uh, taught this principle when she convinced Abraham to sleep with her handmaiden because she couldn't get pregnant and that would be their baby. And when she realized that that didn't work out so well, she came into the tent and told Abram, it's recorded in God's word, my wrong be upon you. That sounds like being a husband, doesn't it? Your wrong be upon me? Yes, you were in the divine place to tell me no. God put you in the place to lead. If he wanted me to lead, he'd have put me in the leadership role. And let me just touch that right from the get-go. Submission is not about giftedness. For there are many women that are smarter than the one they're married to. Don't say nothing. Don't. Don't elbow nobody. You got summa cum laude. You got thank you, Lordy. I know what I'm talking about. There are many women more gifted and more articulate. And if you're ever curious about your pastor's role on this, you know this thing that's going through the Southern Baptist Convention, about women preachers, it's okay that women preach. But a pastor, a leader Scripture's clear: the husband of one wife, he's devoted a husband. God put man at the center and responsible. Not because he was more qualified. It was because it was his choice. So the man takes on this responsibility. And the woman, his equal from his side. So the man takes the responsibility in obedience. And the woman takes one half a step backward as her obedience. Mutually submitted to one another. You see? Mutually submitted to one another. But the man's responsible. When God wants to deal with the family, He talks to the husband. It is not a matter of better than, it is a matter of election. That's all it is. He elected you to have the children. (laughs) The father does not become the father by creating the life. The father becomes the father in the home by leading the lives that God has entrusted to him. He is the protector, the provider, the seawall against the current of this world. He knows the way, he shows the way, he goes the way, and he leads the way. We may learn to love in the lap of our mother, but we learn how to live by the steps of our daddy. Just look around it's the nurturing nature of the mother that the baby needs. She doesn't need the father holding her. Did you learn that in the waiting room? How many daddies were in the waiting room? And the baby's there, whether nursing or sleep, whatever, fine until you pick it up. And that's the baby's way. The baby's levitating. It's screaming. The vein's coming up on its head. They're like, give me back to my mother. And you give them back to my mother. It knows. In the early years, it becomes in the safety of its mother's lap. And as it grows older, it looks for the steps of its father. It's the way God orchestrated. He wired them that way. We learn our priorities from you, Daddy. We learn our identity from you. I'm not a martyr, and you know, it's... There's part of me on Father's Day that it's hard, and now it's my favorite thing. I'm sitting down here looking at my Olivia and my Isabel, and I'm telling you on record, I want it to be, I'm always intentional with these things. Don't think I'm just trying to play daddy here. I want you to know something. Your daddy is 56 years old, and the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life since daddy became saved was that he gave me two little girls, and I became a daddy. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And then for a bonus, he gave us Elisha. And you know, (laughs) my boy, he's growing on me. But daddy, y'all know the girls, right? Daddy's girls. But I learned that the reason it hurt me so, the, the rough patch for me, Mine was by death, and yours could have been an absent father, as my daddy died before he told me who I was. In the Old Testament, the men would speak over their children, and he would name them, or rename them, or pronounce blessings, and he would speak over them and say, This is what you're going to be. There's no scriptural precedent for the woman doing that. She does things that a man could never do, she imparts things that a man could never impart. She's the cohesive nature of the home, the glue that mama's juggle so much more. I could not do Kelly's job. I tell her all the time, you know, and sometimes the hair is real frazzled when she's hearing it, and other times I said, No, no, I know I couldn't do what I know I couldn't do, and you weren't called to do what I do. We are called to lead to lead by example, to speak over our children, to pull out of them what they don't know and show it to them and say, this is who you are. My little Isabel is busy, Izzy. She's got personality and attitude. and Yeah, we got the attitude. And Daddy tells her, this is the tannin of the tea honey, right? Here. And she'll laugh. Sometimes she'll stick her tea honey up to see if I... I said, oh, you're going to get it. But Izzy is a confident. I tell her, I said, Izzy, you're so smart. And God's going to use that quickness and that intellect to reason with people that are unreasonable. And you're going to be able to communicate the word of God to your generation in public, in, the, in the primary grades and in the middle school. If Jesus should tarry and God's going to use, he's, he's gifted. You don't want to bring that out. I whispered to her this morning, I said, now in a minute we're going to worship and you don't have to do anything you don't want to do but your way, but you got to worship. Pull it out, pull it out, pull it out. And my Olivia, never has a sweeter girl ever been born than that girl. I tell her so much, I said, oh, daddy wishes he was as good as you. And when Moses asked to see the Lord's glory, God said, no, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to let you see my goodness. And he has is, is created in you, Olivia, a tenderness. And people are going to be drawn to you. Friends that don't have friends in school are going to be drawn to you. What I did was just showed you an example of our responsibility at home. we got to speak over them, who they are. Because if you don't, some other man or some other 18-year-old or 21-year-old will speak over them, who they are not. Somebody come whispering in my girl's ears. Oh, you're gorgeous! Look at your lips. Look at your ears. She'll go, catfish. I've been hearing how beautiful I was since the day I was born. Take that. I need you. You don't need me. Come meet my daddy. I've already got me one. I've got, I've got a list of them, but I'm just going to tell you one of them. If the Lord tarries and we get to the teen years, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing, Freddie, Good. Come on in, man. You want a beer? Yeah, get your behind out of my house. That's going to be how I introduce myself to him. And on the way out the door, like, y'all have a good time? Here's some money. Come, here, come here. Come here, catfish. Come here. Just a quick word. It's not a threat. I know you don't know me well, but whatever you do to her, I'm going to do to you. God bless you. Have a good night. No, you won't. Oh, yeah. But the problem with our generation is we had a lot of young girls go into the world and they didn't know who they were, and a false voice came and told them that the only way they could have affection is if they gave their self away for free. And the only way they could have fulfillment and the only way they could find popularity or notoriety was in a group of people throwing their life away. And all they needed was a father's voice to say, you are priceless. You are precious. And I am your father. You need to know now. I tell them, daddy ain't your friend. I'm your daddy. And I'm going to stand out front and take the wave first. I can hear it now. Izzy, you can play this tape years from now if Jesus tears, You can't pick my friends. Watch me. <laughs> Mama, daddy doesn't understand. I know. He doesn't get it. I'm the, the leader. I speak over them. I protect. And if you don't do your job, an imposter will step in and do it Incorrectly. We learn our faith from our Father. I know there are women here that have had to step into the role and do it because of an absentee, carnal man. I understand that. It's not the same. Any more than a man trying to nurse physically, the woman was not called to nurse spiritually. It's the man, I want to teach them to worship. I want to teach them. To love the Lord God, I want them to see it. I want them to have the experiences. I'm not performing, but I'm conscious that I have an audience. I want it to not be taught, but caught. I want there to be a vortex, a vacuum, if you will, that pulls my children into the knowledge of God that I have. Some of you do not know this, and this isn't about John Day, but the, only, the best illustrations I have are mine. I'm sterile, I can't have children, but God has given me a beautiful family. Old ones, not old like Haley, but older ones like Haley and Callie and young ones. But I told him if he ever gave me a little boy, that I would name him Elisha. So if you gave me a baby boy, an infant, I'm going to name him Elisha. And I got one prayer request. I want you to put twice of your spirit on his life than I've ever had. Twice the calling, twice the... Re- Let him stand on my shoulders. And, Papa, as you know, are you more excited about you being able to hit the ball over the fence or your boy hitting it over the fence? Yeah. And that's why I've named that. him. So right now, I'm trying to steer him into being a preacher. And he told me the other day, he goes, Daddy, I'm going to be a preacher, an officer, and a cooker. <laughs> a cooker? Yeah, when you go to a restaurant and they cook for you, that makes us happy. I want to make them happy. So, a preacher, an officer, and a cooker. Now, I'm going to get a little closer to home. Are you ready? The older we get as children, the more acute our vision becomes. Our memories become clearer. We can read between the lines and everything connects. Our childhood begins to make sense. We knew when our parents were fronting, when they were playing, when they were inconsistent, and when they were hypocritical. We knew when they were solid, when they were genuine. The older you get, you connect the dots. We see the why behind the what and the love behind the lessons. No man has ever fooled his children for long. In the end, everything becomes clear. Let me just read these for you. And then I'm going to take just a few moments and talk specifically to our fathers. But let me just read some biblical examples of how we learn from the negative and how we learn. But you need to understand that your children and your wife, sir, are influenced, propelled, or hindered by your walk with the Lord. You're either the lid or the propelling nature for your home. It is not my wife's fault. It is not my wife's responsibility For my house to be peace-filled, and faith-filled, and prayer-filled, and worship-filled, and confidence-filled. And without fear, it is my responsibility to exude that fragrance. And if I do not, then something will fill its place. Adam taught us the danger in letting our wives lead. The Bible speaks it. Listen, women have so many gifts that men don't have, but the Bible's clear that a woman's weakness is that she can be deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. The serpent tricked Eve. Adam wasn't tricked. Adam just knew he he, he didn't want to argue with her. (laughs) If If you look at the scripture, she said, eat. He goes, he waited out. I can eat. Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead. And there are men that... For temporary peace, don't lead. Adam taught us what, it, what happens when you let anyone else lead. Lot taught us the danger of not leading our family in consecration. Lot reminds me of the man, the carnal man, that thinks you can live in Sodom and your children not become Sodomites. Elijah taught us the importance of managing your own soul. He was at burnout. Burnout. I've heard preachers say, how could a man who stood in front of 850 Baalite prophets with, with swords and, and, and cutting themselves with knives. And he's so bold. He said, where is your God? Is he asleep? Is he in the restroom? That is what it means in the Hebrew. When he mocked them, he goes, is he relieving himself? Isn't that just, I mean, there's trash talk. And then there's, is your God using the bathroom? Uh, anyway, it's in there. Look it up. So the fire falls, Elijah says, send the fire. The fire fell, God consumed the sacrifice, and he's thinking, this is it. Israel is turned, revival is here, God is revealed. And then Jezebel, who the 850 Baalite prophets served, sent one threat to him, may the gods do so to me and more by this time tomorrow if I've not taken your life. And he runs. Why, did, why was he not afraid of 850 Baalite prophets? And he was afraid of one woman. He wasn't afraid of this woman. Cumulative stress. If you look at his life through the brook and the three years of living by ravens and a widow preparing for him. And he did not manage his soul. And he was at that place of I'm on my last bit of energy. And when when life disappointed him, he ran. I can prove it to you. He told the Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. Well, if you wanted to die, you could have just let the 850 people kill you yesterday. He taught us what a man looks like that doesn't take care of himself. Because if you're not good as a man, and if you're not good as a son, you can't be good as a father. The person you has to be good. The son of God has to be good. Your emotions have to be good. You have to rest when you need rest. Esau taught us the cost of despising spiritual blessings. Samson taught us the danger of living with unbridled passions. Levi taught us the high cost of not loving your children enough to discipline them. Every one of these is a sermon. Saul taught us the destructive nature of pride and jealousy. David taught us the high cost of one sin. And Judas taught us that if you have a price, Satan will make sure to offer you that price. But these men in the Bible also taught us the positives with their strengths and their choices. Abraham taught us what absolute devotion looked like. Elijah uh, taught us what boldness in the face of evil looks like. Joseph taught us that waiting on the promise costs you, but it also rewards you. David taught us simplicity and and, and the tearing and the beauty of repentance. He also taught us how to hate evil and God's enemies. Much is said today about loving people, loving people where they're at. I don't hate people. I I don't hate them. I hate God's enemies. Those that hate my God, I hate them. If they hate me, that's fine. But the enemies of God. Samuel taught us how to listen to God and speak for him. Simon Peter taught us. How pride goeth before destruction and a haughty look before a fall. But he also taught us how to be restored and how to walk on water. And Paul taught us how to value Christ above all else and offer your body a living sacrifice. And thinking about it as reasonable service. Fathers, from one daddy to another, one flawed man to another, one sojourner to another. May I just tell you these irrevocable truths. You cannot teach what you do not know. I can prove it to you how many of you got middle schoolers and they said daddy can you help me with hexagramic trigonometric algebraic and you go but uh, where, where, where mom at?" <laughs> and it doesn't take them no time to figure out that you don't know what you're talking about and you cannot teach your children about God what you do not know you want them to be students to make good grades, you have to be a student. You tell your boy, you have to study, to, you know. And you got the one kid that doesn't have to study. And they go, well, what about him? Well, he's smart. But you, <laughs> that's where we live, isn't it? He, he's different. That's different. You have to study. And Paul would tell you today, he said, men, study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. When your child brings home the verse from school on a card to learn, you quote it before they read it. Oh, I know that one. Okay, girls, from there, all right. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. What's the next one? Come on. Will you say it for me? Please? Will you do it please? No. She said, Izzy said, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. What? Know that the Lord, he is God. She's saying it soft. I want them to have the memory that daddy knows the verse that you're wanting to memorize. Study, men. Study. You cannot teach what you do not know. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot lead where you have not been. You cannot make us become who you are not. I don't want to point my children. I want to tell them, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. That's not arrogance. That is my responsibility. That is who we are. Brother John, of all the things you've ever done for the Lord, what are you most proud of? Being a daddy. It's so easy. Women, you've been in ministry 30 years, and you've pioneered this church, and you have 11 churches. I get to lead the wood home, the Backus home to carry on that name. You see, carry the name. My daddy passed the baton to me and this is who we are. If you're confused, ask me because I know who we are and where we're going. And as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what television says. I don't care what the media says. It doesn't matter what they, what they call us. As for me in my house, We're clear on who we are. You cannot point us to a path that you are unwilling to walk. And you cannot lead us to esteem something you despise. Or to enjoy something that you tolerate. Your children see your wife talking you into coming to church. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to wake you up. May my children never hear my wife asking me, are you going to church today? Are we going to love the Lord today? Are we going to pray tonight? That is your privilege. My daddy died when I was 11. He got sick when I was nine. And for two years, I would see him once a week, so by nine. He said, John, what's the most vivid memories of your daddy? Holding my face in his hands... With tears running down his face, telling me how much he loved me. And I remember him telling me, baby, I'd go to hell for you. Do you know that? And I didn't understand it then. And then he would hold me, especially after he wore my rear end out. He would hold me like this. And he would shake and cry after he checked me. He goes, are you okay? You okay? You okay? And I remember the feeling of his tears going down inside of my T-shirt. Where he would just hold me and, and love me and care for me. And I remember him when I would get up. You know, the little kid walked to the breakfast table. You know, like this. Mama wasn't up. Daddy was up. At the little round coffee, little kitchen, uh, little dinette set. In his pale yellow boxers with his Bible open. And he'd shut his Bible and go, hey, good morning, buddy. Well, I thought he was reading the word. His role just walked in the room. He was reading the Word so he could fulfill the role. And he'd shut the Bible. You know what he was teaching me? Your daddy sees you. Your daddy was waiting on you. What can I fix you for breakfast? Now, he didn't cook. That meant Pop-Tarts or cereal, baby. He'd open the cabinet, take your pick. Daddy will fix it for you. There were limitations. But do you see how I was learning who he was, by who my daddy was. And that's why the church is so dysfunctional today because we're inviting hundreds of boys and girls who are now in their 30s to see God as a father that they never had. Someone has to step in. Someone has to be the example. And the Lord, if you're one of those people, has put people in your life to reflect from a distance that image. And finally, I want to read this to you, Ben, if you would come, please. We know how hard it is to have an image of a Father in Heaven that is different from the one we knew below. So I'm asking you men today. Ben, you was a long way away this morning. Oh, Ben, you doing double duty or you working back there too? Well, then you ought to be closer. Uh. Hey, y'all, let's watch Ben walk up. I love this one here. Oh, by the way, I had a dream. You can't leave. So, by the way. You hear this? You can't. Just pray about it, Ben. Just pray about it. So I've written a letter for you, from one father to another. Dear Father, we need you to love the Lord. Not like Him, not mentally acquiesce to His existence. We need you to love the Lord. We need to see you, that's what I meant to say see you love the Lord. We need to see you pursue the Lord. We need to see you know the Lord. We need to see you serve the Lord. We need to see you worship the Lord. Little girls asked me, when they were probably three, they said, Daddy, what were you doing when you went down front and you laid down on the floor? Was you sleepy? I said, no, I said, God was convicting Daddy of sin when I did wrong and I was repenting. I was humbling myself before the Lord asking the Lord to forgive me. Oh! I don't want to teach them about the theology of repentance. I want to bring my family to the table which I've done many times because I'm a failure that many times. And I said, I want you to know that Mama's not to blame for Daddy's bad attitude. And it ain't you. Daddy chose to be selfish and self-centered. And will you forgive me? And Aesia, yeah, because you were kind of like that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Olivia will forgive me and Elisha will forgive me. And Elisha said that day, goes, yeah, but don't do that no more, you know. <laughs> but they need to see us walk humbly. Do you know how therapeutic it is for a child to hear their parents say, I was wrong? We learn that we can go before the Lord and say, I was wrong. We need to see you prioritize the Lord. God first, daddy. Don't give in to our demands. God first, daddy. Don't give in to the demands of the wife. God first, daddy. Hold the line. Tow the course. Be faithful. No one can be the daddy but the Daddy. We need to see you grow in the Lord, not grow old, but grow up. We need to see your knowledge increase, your maturity increase, your fruit increase, your effectiveness increase, your passion increase, your tenderness increase. We need to know that we're not the only ones in the house having to grow up. We need to see you faithful to the Lord. Oh, fathers in this generation, we need to see you unashamed of the Lord. Stand up, speak up, unashamed that I am a born again, spirit filled, blood bought believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, separate from this world, consecrated unto God, not ashamed of him or his words. Not arrogant, not vehement, but unashamed. Unashamed. We need to see you walk with the Lord. Struggle with the Lord. Oh daddy, we need to see you affectionate with the Lord. Because that is the evidence that he exists because you don't fake affection. What we see you do for us and only us, you're doing that with the Lord. You cry over us, you cry over him. You you weep, you, you pour your heart out. He must exist. He must exist. We need to see you serve the Lord. I remember riding in an old, old school bus that Westfield Baptist had painted blue. And my daddy would drive the bus on Sunday afternoon because none of the church people would volunteer to do the bus. But he'd do it with joy. And Jim would stay home with mama. And I would ride with daddy. And I got to be the door guy that opened the door. And my daddy said, hey! You ready to go to worship? You ready to come to God's house? And he'd pick up the people and I got to do the door. Now, as I get older, I put two and two together and I realize he didn't do that because he got paid. He did that because he loved the Lord God. He, those memories shape us. They, they change us. We get sucked into that vacuum of who our daddy was. We need to see you submit We need to see you walk humble and tender with mama and with us and with others. We need to see your sacrifices. Oh, fathers, we need to see you enjoy the Lord. May it never be said of us that you enjoy, that your children would say he enjoyed his hobby more than he enjoyed God himself. Because that will teach us that God does not satisfy only things. One of the greatest things my ever, dad ever gave me was that the love for God was his highest joy. He didn't leave me a nickel, but he left me a name. And he left me a path that a blind man could walk through. It's rutted out. And to walk it today, I have to hold my arms up because it was so worn. I'm 56. He died at 42. I can't hold his shoes. Can't hold his shoes. But I sure like the idea of walking around in them, knowing that they were his. Jesus made it very clear that he came to reveal the Father. And don't you realize today that you have the opportunity, responsibility, and honor to do the same? For some of us, the only Jesus we'll ever know is the one you reveal to us. Your greatest responsibility, Father, listen, is to reveal Jesus to your wife and children. To pull the veil back. To say, now I'm a flawed version, but I want to reflect him. I want you to catch glimpses of who he is, by how I treat you, and how I see you, and how I live. And to those who are not married... God has given you this window to prepare so that when the day arrives, you will be more than ready to reflect the image of God and His name. Every father has the choice and opportunity to live a life of reward or regret. Every father has the choice and opportunity to live a life of reward or regret. The choice is up to you. And there's still time to change. I've asked Ben... To play this song for us. And I would like if, if, if you're uh, at the end of this song, we're gonna, well, let's go ahead and do it. Let's make our way to, if you have a dad or a father figure or someone here, if you would go near him and just stand with him and pray over him and bless him, go ahead and make your way. Let's move. Come on. My girls, come on up to Daddy. You stand up here with me. Haley, Kylie. Mama, will you come too? And as Ben ministers this song, I want you just to pray over them today. You pray over your husband, if he's a father of your children.
1: Take away the melody. Take away the songs I sing. Take away all the lines. And all the songs you led me around Cause the man I am them feel you, when I sing, and let them see you, just let them see you in me, with every breath I breathe, sing a simple melody, but I pray, they'll hear more than a song.
0: I would ask that everyone stay for just a quick moment. It won't take us three or four minutes to uh, play these announcements because they're very important giving you information about today. But I want to say one quick thing, and then I'm going to ask you to... As a matter of fact, go ahead and be seated real quick, if you don't mind. No one leaving, please, unless you just have to. Everyone look this way. It won't take but 30 more seconds. I believe that this was a God moment for us today. And for all of you who were Papas and your job is winding up or or done, this generation needs a father's voice. And gotta be the daddy. It can be a once a month connection to 20 year olds and 30 year olds and 18 year olds that don't have one. And you can be that assurance, that comfort, that listening ear, that something to bounce off of. May not always be the friend. But you can be a father to more than the ones God's given you in your home. You can reflect Jesus to anybody. May God's word have its purpose and way in our lives today. Somebody say amen this morning. Guys, if you'll go ahead and do this announcement video real quick, we'll beat the Baptist to lunch.